We often think of routine as like washing the dishes or going to work the same way every time. But what if routine is actually your mind and how it's operating? We need to open to ritual and to the sacred and be reinformed about what's true now. And today's guest is Sarah Marshank who's going to lead us through this conversation about moving out of routine and into ritual. She's the author of Selfistry, beautiful book, and you're just going to love her. So join us to find out more. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. If you believe to join us on this beautiful journey, so that the show, so that the show. Well, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love these conversations. I love to gather around the fireplace, down the campfire, and just join with everybody and share our stories of connection, share our stories of that which is bigger than us, the great mystery beyond the veil. And what's really, really on my heart right now is like, how can we shift the planet into more grace, you know, more gracious living, more connectedness, more mystery, more mystical, more of the that ocean of subconscious and the beautiful things that can happen when you surrender to it. And we have to leave something that people have grown really attached to. But actually, you know, it's kind of like the stinky blankie when you're a kid and you're like clutching that thing because you're like, this stinky blankie makes me feel safe. So I want to hold on to this thing, but it really needs to go in the wash and or just be replaced entirely because it's kind of ratted and tatted and it's got, you know, it's got identified things stuck on it. And so it's time to let that thing go. Like, come on, people, we got to let this shit go. It's time for something new. And in the newness, there can be a new safety. And so I really love this conversation I'm about to have today about moving out of routine and into ritual. And it's a, it's a mind shift and it has to do with moving from literal, literal thinking into like magical thinking, you know? So today's guest is Sarah Marshank. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, so happy to be here. Oh, I'm really glad you're here. I've known Sarah for a while through Heather Ashamara, who was my one of my first teachers of this beautiful wisdom path. And I met Sarah, I met you because you had a book out at that time, Selfistry. And I remember like, this is a cool book and you came and spoke to us and I got to meet you in person and hear your, your wisdom around being selfish is not being bad. And so <laughs> I love that. And so Sarah, in case you don't haven't met Sarah before, as she was born out of a decade in retreat, she has this approach to addressing the current meta crisis, which offers a simple way to assess one's inner state of well-being, as well as to discern strategies and tactics that would be a good fit for deepening and growing inner resiliency. And you know, as we all know, there's no one size fits all or easy steps. So what Sarah offers is a combination, a, not even just a combination, a delicious combination of modern and ancient philosophy, science and spirituality, the hip and the holy, 
And in all that, selfistry takes a bold stand for the role that the alchemy of the self plays in the future of our beautiful world. And so she is the author of that beautiful memoir, Being Selfish, My Journey from Escort to Monk to Grandmother in Selfistry is the other book, Selfistry, A Guide to Embodying Timeless Spiritual Wisdom. And you can find out about more of those at selfistry.com. And I know you have an upcoming retreat, which may or may not meet people depending on when you're listening to this, but just know that she has lots and lots of retreats um, ongoing. And so you can always look at selfistry.com to find out about those. And we'll put the link below into the current upcoming retreat. So Sarah, I know you love this topic. Everything I just said, you're just like, let me at it. Let me at it. Let me at it. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Like, tell us just a nugget about yourself that has, gets us into you and your path. And then let's like launch off wherever you want to go. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's so fun to be able to have this conversation with you and welcome to all the listeners. Super fun to cross pollinate in the alchemy of all the good work that we're all doing to bring about this reorientation or recalibration of our humanity in these very interesting times. So, you know, what I would say about myself is that I'm all in for it for my whole life. And I've also noticed my own growth and development since we met, which was, you know, could have been I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now, right? Probably 10, a decade, I want to say. Yeah, about a so decade. About a decade. So we both have grown. Like, I'm super excited to hear from you as well. I've been listening to your conversations, and I know you have a new book coming out. It's like how we've been evolving from our routine to the ritual and the what I guess I would like to say is for me, moving from routine to ritual is moving from being asleep to being awake to what's here now. And I feel like it's funny for you listeners, before we got on this call, Carrie and I were just talking about, oh my God, the river is going so fast. There's so much going on. And why can't I take a break? And why does the river never stop? And, and a, a mutual acknowledgement of like, hey, people, we're all in this river together. It's the river of life. It's the mystery. It's carrying us. It's trustworthy. It's chaos. It's beauty. It's everything. And how we show up together in the river is really what we're speaking to and what we're, you know, what we're figuring out how to do together. So I Yeah, because that. if we're trying to hold on to the riverbanks, like... slow down or you know it's like that just causes the struggle and the and the suffering right so there's this way of like just flowing with life letting it just flow through you and just being with the moments and really being the embodied experience of the life that your soul wanted to have right and letting your soul and and your personality kind of coexist in this sort of magical space of life that's and moving out of this idea that it's so set in stone, because we've had it set in stone for a long time, right? And oh, God. well, I feel so heavy like and that, dense. Yeah, it is because I feel like that routine, like when I was thinking about our talk today and I was feeling into what is routine, and I'm really noticing in my students and also in my own learning and in the world right now that so much of our routine is not just what we're doing, but it's how we're thinking. We have routine in our minds of what we believe, of what's true or what's possible. And I I say that equally for like the new age community as well as devout religious people, right? We all could use 
a moment to really just go, wow, am I approaching even the way I think and what I believe with a sense of ritual, meaning a sense of awakeness, a sense of truly getting present and questioning and wondering and really considering is what I believe really alive in the world right now, or is it just a belief? And I challenge all of us because it's so easy for me. I don't know about you, but for me, like I got that figured out the whole, you know, spirit, soul, matter, purpose, the river, the whole thing, right? I catch myself going, slow down, girlfriend, put your butt on the cushion, sit quietly, listen to the current of the river again and again and again. Yeah. And this is really important at this time to do that is because from what I have received, you know, my downloads and transmissions are all about how we are lifting the human consciousness to a new place that it's actually never been. I mean, except for a few key individuals throughout time that were able to access these higher states of consciousness, right? And so now on mass, we all have the invitation to experience these higher states of consciousness. And we're moving ourselves towards that each of us in our own unique ways. And so latching onto any one idea as you move up that sort of like experience is going to set you back because whatever you think is true or thought was true a thousand years ago might not be true anymore. And so what you thought was true last week might not be true anymore because things are lifting and we're all collected because there's so many of us working on this. It's like in the collective consciousness, we're all bouncing off of each other. And so even when we're sleeping, I don't know about you and your sleep, but my sleep, I know I'm co-dreaming with like half the planet. So it's like, okay, that's a new idea. We didn't even think about that. And so in the co-creation, you know, we're creating things we never thought about before. And so it's like, and it's going to manifest, it's manifesting in the process. So if we latch onto anything, we're sort of doing a disservice to what wants to be born and, and in this evolution of humanity. I love that. I love, you know, for me, I think with self-history, I orient a little bit differently than you two, than you do, which is super beautiful to compare and see where there's resonance. Because the way I would articulate what I know to be true today is that life itself is living through me and evolving and adapting through me. I don't so much orient towards I'm the one or we're the ones that are moving to a higher vibration or uplifting all of humanity. I don't get that signal. That's not one that I've tuned into. What I've tuned into is more life is changing and evolving and stirring itself up. I look, I study history, I study sociology, I study theology. Like I see that all throughout history and the evolution of our species and life itself, there's been these tumultuous times where, you know, massive change happens. But the human involvement in that and what is the soul, these are questions that I'm still asking. That's where for me, I challenge my routine thinking about that. And I really step into intentionally listening, which is a ritual for me, to tune in to what feels resonant as true and how we tell the story about that. Because I suspect we're saying the same thing, but from a different perspective or a different orientation. How does that land in you? No, that's, that lands is true. I mean, there's like a movement that's happening, right? But there's also free will. So there's like this, you can grasp the shoreline. 
you have free will to do that. And what I noticed in my own journey is that it's almost like the more that I surrender and open and let this flow through, like allow it and even seek help with it. Like, please life, help me to receive what you're sending me. Help me to open, help me to ground it, help me to embody it. As I ask for that help, I get the help. Mm -hmm. And when I stop sort of doing those practices of the asking, like opening sacred space is one of my askings. When I stop that practice, it gets stuck. Like it gets kind of gucci and stuck and icky, right? And so I go back to asking and opening the sacred space and then it starts to flow again. So there is like this co-creative aspect of like, you you can try to hold on to the riverbank. The river is going, right? It's going to go anyway. And it just might not take you with it, right? If you're really going to be obstinate. But if you welcome it and co-create with it, then there is this way of like, how can I be in devotion to this uplifting of the planet and this uplifting of humanity? Because we are at the cusp of like, kind of like what you were talking about. In the past, we had an evolution from, you know, Neanderthal to Cro-Magnon. Well, we're at one of those moments, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah. And so it's exciting. It's like, wow, we're at one of those moments. Wow. And so we can assist it by being willing right, and doing our practices that may open us to be willing. And yeah, we're not doing it. I mean, we can't by ourselves do it, but we can open to allow it to happen and to say yes. Yeah. That's a beautiful distinction. I think this could really help some of our listeners in that the distinction between like agency or free will that there is, let's say, so there is a routine belief in some of the very modern psychological and new age spiritual teachings that say you can manifest your life, you can manifest your best life, you just need to work harder, you just need better affirmations, you need better, you know, sage, or you need better, whatever, like there's this, that a lot of us in our generation, right, have taken on as true. And that belief, from my perspective, is just as routine as the monotheistic story of this male God punishing, you know, we have to fix it, we broke it, right? Like both of those are really oppressive and very worn out, like that blanket you were describing, right? Very worn out ways of orienting towards the river. And what I heard you say is, but both of them claim some agency, And so what I hear you saying, and I feel also for me in my life too, is that my agency is limited. I can't actually have whatever I want. I'm not in in my life. And I'm a, a woman, a white woman of privilege. And even I can't get whatever I want, right? That's a lie. That's a distortion. That's a dis-ease. But my agency coming from a deeper place inside, which I suspect you call soul, I have a different word for that, is the one that says yes to the river. The one that says, yes, help me surrender to the river, not to fall into my own little desires of what I want for me, but let me use my agency towards the upliftment of all, whatever the outcome of that is, because there will be many who will die. There will be many who will not be uplifted, that we are already seeing a lot of destruction and torment and and despair in the world on so many levels, environmentally, politically, psychologically, spiritually. And so our message, my message, I feel is ritual, meaning wake up, come back down to earth. You're human. You are limited. You're human. You are divine. You have agency. You don't have total free will to do whatever you want. Now, 
how do you want to play with your life? How do you want to join others in celebrating the bittersweet symphony of this wild and wacky thing we call life? So I love that. Pause there. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. And I love it. And I say yes. And Okay, so I want to add this piece because a few years ago, and many of my my listeners already know this, but just to show the book again, I, I channeled this book called The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. And when I didn't know what God was doing, okay, so I was just listening to the messages and I was like, okay, you want me to write this book? I don't know what it's about. How am I supposed to write it? And and they were like, oh no, you've seen, you've seen it was about Dolores Cannon and and the three waves of volunteers. And I was like, okay. And you haven't heard of it. So no. it's really, so So Dolores Cannon does this, she's par- departed now, but her daughter's carried on her business. She does this thing called QHHG, quantum healing hypnosis technique. And okay. in this healing technique, she gets you down to the subconscious level, which she calls the soul. And she asks questions and then the soul answers. Okay. And on all these souls, she started conducting interviews of all these people in this hypnosis state. And they all started talking about, oh, I'm a first wave or I'm a second wave or I'm, you know, I'm like, and she's like, what is this? <laughs> So she started asking questions. And what she found was that we're at one of those crisis points on the planet where it's a do or die. Are we going to survive or are we not going to do it? Mm-hmm. And Mother Earth, of course, is open to both, but prefers mm-hmm. her children make it, right? It's like, we'd like you to make it, but you know, if you don't, well, I'm sorry. You know, I'm yeah. going to go. Yeah. I'm going here and you can come with me or not, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and so a lot of, in, the, in this philosophy, in this, what her research is that these were all people from different planets. And so they came here as starseeds with their wisdom to support the evolution of consciousness as human, you know, human, divine and human, right? To have the human experience and from the inside out, do the healing work to Mm -hmm. heal this experience that we've been having for thousands of years and to transform it and alchemize it into something new through the lived experience. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really fascinating ripple in there, right? Because if you think about this, in the first wave it would have been like in the 60s, right? And so you can see all these monumental, amazing, huge energy, incredible people stepping up to change things. So Martin Luther King, you know, was magnanimous, just amazing people out of nowhere. Like these people are not from this planet. You look at them, where they come from? Well, they're not, you know? So they show up and they bring all this huge love and just knowing that wasn't present. And so they start in motion all of this work. And so the law of attraction stuff, so circling back, I had to set the precedent for this. The law of attraction stuff is so interesting because it gets people interested in spirit. It gets people interested in the divine. If you tell somebody, guess what? You can have everything you want and you just have to learn about the law of attraction and you just have to start practicing it. Well, the law of attraction is tuning in to the divine. The law of attraction is tuning into that part of you that's divine. So it's it's telling the ego, hey, you can get what you want if you just practice this stuff. Mm. That gets people on the path. So it's not wrong. It's yeah, just I a hear. doorway, you know, it's yeah. like a doorway that people can walk through. And then when you get to the other side of that doorway, you go, wait a second. It's not about me. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And so I need to get out of the way of my own desires, right? And stop. Yeah. And the Carol people in the, in the Andes Mountains, when they make prayers, they pray for the planet. Yeah. They pray for the people, for the plants, for the animals. And then at the very end, they toss a little prayer in for themselves. You know, it's yeah. like, me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, but me too, that. not only me, you know, like yeah. I want my Mercedes Benz, I want my $100,000, you know, my seven figure, which yeah. all that stuff doesn't resonate for me. It's true. It's not true. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for like the Mercedes Benz and the mansion and the seven figure income and the all of that. I'm here for the planet and for people to wake up and a humble human and stand on the, you know, barefoot on the ground, looking at each other and saying, hey, we got work to do. That's yeah. what I'm here for. Amen, sister. Me too. And I don't know about coming from other planets and all that stuff. It's not something that I tend to resonate with, but I, I feel as a, as a story, as a narrative, it works because we, you know, we don't really know. <laughs> we don't really know what, where, how it's. Yeah, the mystery tells you whatever you need, right? Exactly. Get to the next step. Exactly. But I, what I love about it is that there's this sense that we are human and we are more than human, right? That there's a, there's an energetic, magical, mysterious. You know, I liken moving from routine to ritual. Like I don't know if you're familiar with the slow food movement, but. I actually, I have the domain for slow spirituality, right? So, <laughs> so self-history is really slow spirituality because what the slow food and slow spirituality are inviting us to do is, like we were saying earlier, we can't stop the river, right? But we can certainly move to where the currents, if possible, like just a little bit more chill. We can get our bearings. We can see who's here and we can revisit like with food. The slow food movement is about revisiting where's our food grown? Who's growing it? How are we harvesting it? How are we preparing it? How are we setting the table? Who are we inviting? How are we giving thanks for this food? It slows down everything. It was an antidote to the fast food movement. And once McDonald's landed in Italy, the Italians were like, oh, no, 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 no. We need slow movement, slow food, not fast food. Well, the same as spirituality. Like we've been fed fast food religion, right? And then, like you said, in the 60s, it started, there was this eruption, you know, God is dead. Nietzsche came and said, God, well, God isn't dead. Religion is dead. It, no, it became routine and it lost the sacred, holy hunger that we all have innately to remember who we are. Where are we grown? Where are we harvested? What do we believe? What is our authentic connection to that mystery. How would we talk about it? How would we serve it up? How would we set the table, right? And in that, we amplify the diversity. We amplify the diversity of our food system and of our spiritual systems and how we're orienting towards one another on the planet. And the planet survives on diversity and humanity will survive only if we allow for that diversity that's not oppressive, but is the actually coming from the bottom up, like the grassroots remembering. Ritual helps us remember. We slow down and we ask again, who am I? what is this? Why are we here? What do I know to be true? Who was that Jesus guy? Who is that, you know, Allah thing? What is that sacred goddess? What is the medicine wheel, you know, to enter it and to enter it through ritual? It doesn't mean that we have to go through these certain motions. Ritual is more an orientation of our essence, of our whole being, towards what's in front of us being sacred and worthy of our attention and our care from the smallest things, you know, these glasses to the whole universe. And that, and I could feel that in you. And it's what I love about you. That's what brings us alive in our work and in our families with our kids and our grandkids. And 
what else are we going to do, right? But what you're really talking about is bringing the sacred back to life. Yes, I am. And embodying it as a lived experience, as something you feel in your very bones and like the chills up your back and the deepening in your heart where you go, I am loved by this planet. Oh my gosh, I feel the love. And that's when you know you belong, right? And so a lot of this is about belonging. And for Western people really need to keep an eye on this because what we've actually done on this continent is so many of us, except for the Native Americans and even them earlier than us, have like displaced ourselves from wherever we were from and come here. Yeah. It's like a fresh start. Now in the legend, this is called the legend of the eagle and the condor. So in the legend of the eagle and the condor, it's like now is a time when the eagle and the condor fly together in the sky. So that means that the heart and the mind, and this is how I equate it, is the heart and the mind come together and work together. Right now, it's just been the mind all by itself, just sort of like chicken with its head cut off and the mind is just like trying to hop along, trying, you know, and we're not paying attention to the rest of the body underneath underneath the jaw and the teeth even are ancestral. So it's like Mm. all this wisdom in the deepest parts of us, the bones, the Mm. bones of us. We lost our homelands. We lost where we were from, our ancestral lands. We lost a connection mm-hmm. to those ancestral lands. And even the Native Americans did because they got displaced during the Trail of Tears. So like everybody has been displaced in the United States alone and, and the whole uh, North American continent and some of South, most of South America actually too, right? Yeah, yeah. Has been displaced. Now the only ones, <laughs> that's why I study with the Carol because they actually still live in the mountains where they where their ancestors lived. And so they have this unbroken line of connection. And when you were, when I work with people like that, I got opened up to, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like mm-hmm. when you're connected. Yeah. When the land of your ancestors, where they walked and they ate and they died, is all connected to you and it nest, it's unbroken. That's what yeah. people, and they, the magic is alive for yeah. these people. Yeah. And now technology is coming in and kind of disillusioning some of their children. So they're teaching it to us, right? They're sharing this wisdom with us so that we can reconnect. And my experience has been, I've reconnected with my Cherokee ancestry mm-hmm. beyond the veil. So mm-hmm. I have this, like, I got a soul retrieval. It was very, very embodied. So it was like no denying it. And my personal experience is like, oh my gosh, I remember the trail of tears. I remember it. I grieved it. I, I mean, I cried for probably like three years, mm-hmm. almost straight. It's like that deep bones connection with your ancestry we need to re that's what you're saying. It's like slow. We need to come back. We took this big journey, right? The hero's journey. We went off into foreign lands. We all got displaced. We all learned a bunch of stuff. And now guess what? We all got to come home. We got to reconnect. Yeah. That's beautiful. And coming home doesn't mean going back. We can't go back. It mm-hmm. really is a remembering, right? To tether ourselves to the land where we are right here. And to really that, again, that slow food, slow living, slow spirituality. How are we in relation right here, right now, this land, this moment, this conversation, this computer, this headphone, right? We bring ourselves really fully here. And in that process, we're going to, and I love what you say about tethering our head to our bodies and our hearts, we're going to feel the grief of our displacement. We're also going to feel the joy of our longing for place, right? We're going to grieve the loss. We're going to feel the heartbreak. We're going to feel the difficulty of remembering. We're going to 
feel the chaos and the turmoil and the displacement and the confusion of our young people and our people who are addicted to drugs and our people who are shooting other people up for no reason. Like we're going to have to feel it all. And in the willingness to feel it all, we reroute ourselves to being human. And in that rerouting, we remember that life is a miracle. And the only proper response to that is awe and wonder. You know, there's a beautiful teaching from my ancestors. I come from Eastern European rabbinical lineage. I was raised Jewish. So my, my family come from the land that now is Belarus and formerly Russia. And there's a teaching that the rabbis pass on. There's a word in Hebrew, and it's called yir'ah. And yir'ah means to see. And when, when you break down the etymology of it, the word, it actually translates as awe. And so what the rabbis mm. teach us is that when your eyes are truly opened, when you're, whole, when you're looking with your whole being into life, that is awe embodied, incarnate. And then what can you do with that awe but love and give and connect and heal? and share. It's just the natural flow of the river. That's so, beautiful. That's it's gorgeous. It's yeah. time though. It's time to heal, right? And so if you think about this just in terms of physiology, on the planet, we had this reptilian brain. Yeah. And most of our ancestors were operating from the reptilian brain, right? Yeah. Which is reaction brain, which is just survival brain. And so there's not a whole lot of heart in that, you know? Right. And you can tell people that are living from a reptilian brain today because it's a really different vibration. <laughs> it's like totally. people are calling it's them narcissists, action. right? They're yeah. calling them narcissists because that's that's their state yeah. of consciousness. Yep. So now we're getting to explode in a big global level, the limbic brain, which is the feeling brain. Mm -hmm. And the feeling brain opens up your heart so that you can feel all those things, right? And as you're feeling those, you don't even know like why you're feeling that or what's going on. But as you go through the process of instead of taking the pill, like I did for like 13 years, it like suppressed my feelings. I started feeling my feelings like, okay, I'm just going to have to feel this. This is big and messy and awful. And I don't even know where it's coming from, but I need to feel it. I don't even know why I'm feeling this stuff. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just feeling. And yeah. instead of labeling and diagnosing that stuff, like get a clue, like we have to actually feel. And then when you feel it, now you have access to your frontal cortex. So right. it's like you, move, you have to move through the brains, right? In order yeah. to unlock what you're talking about with the awe and the yeah. wonder and the gratitude yeah. for life. And I love that you bring in the brain because nowadays, especially I'm mentoring this young woman now who's really a scientist. And I love being able to geek out with her about the neurophysiology and the science of slow spirituality or the science of all, right? Because part of our historical orientation with the advent of technology or the industrial revolution, right, is that we got so enamored with science as being the answer that we kind of poo-pooed mythology and, you know, those old ways, right? And now we're trying to integrate, right, what was true in the mythology and what is true in science. And in a way, it's kind of an integration of the reptilian and limbic brain also, and the frontal cortex, actually all three all. of them getting into it, right? And so to be able to speak through the language of science as well, that what you and I are talking about is not just, is not, I won't even say just, is not woo-woo spirituality. It is a slow spirituality. It is an honest 
approach to being human in these times. Yeah, and the slow is necessary. So I want to also highlight that, you know, Indigenous people, they don't do much. Like, they have very simple days, you know? Like, they don't have our crazy days. They actually have lots and lots of time to just kind of sit and be. Sit and be outside. They have work that they have to do like everybody else, but then they kind of sit and be, you know? And when you're sitting and being, you realize some stuff. That's right. It just comes like you don't have to try. You don't have to read a 5,000 page book. You just realize it, you know, and that's so much easier than trying to shove content in your brain and try to digest it. And because they're connected to the land. So when they're resting, they're not dissociating. Exactly. They're landing and listening. (laughs) Yeah. They're landing. Do you get that? They're landing. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Yes. I just realized that. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And They're so landing. we need to land. We need, we need to be doing some serious landing. That's our <laughs> ritual from now on. The ritual of landing. I love the it. ritual of landing. Oh, oh yeah. And and I want to all I want to add one because I know you have something to share about this as just kind of a last topic before we wrap up. Is okay. ritual requires not only slowness, but a different way of perceiving than beta brain, which would be that trance, the trance state that comes in. And it's an awake trance. It's not, we're not talking sleeping. We're talking seeing through that different lens of reality into the greater mystery, I guess, is what I want to say. Mm. That happens in shamanic journey. We get this all the time. You know, if we take a shamanic journey, we see things in our mind's eye. And some of those things make a lot of sense after you've, you know, contemplated them for a while, right? And there's a way that you can slip into the dream. They're calling it flow state. So when you're in flow state, you're in a, you're in the river. When you're in flow state, you're in the river, basically, right? What do you want to share about that? Yeah, I appreciate that question because I feel like there's a lot of people who feel, and I know many of them, and I even have that self inside of me that feels like, oh, that's so out of reach, what she's talking about, that flow state, like, oh my, come on, you know? And so what I'd like to say to people is what you're pointing towards is attention and intention. Mm. All of us, all of us can gather some some bit of that in our approach to ritual. So what I say to my students, and this is how I orient myself, because I'm not always in that zone, but I always sit in meditation every morning. And it's a ritual. It's not a routine. And I bring everything I'm thinking and feeling. I bring my reptilian craziness and my limbic craziness and my frontal lobe, you know, control freakness. I bring all of it, all the aches and pains in my body and my worry for the whole universe, right? And I bring it to my seat of meditation with my full intention to open to the river. That's it. And my attention is on whatever needs to be metabolized in order to settle my whole nervous system so that I can do that quality of listening and connecting to some kind of clarity or some kind of message or some kind of intuition or movement of how I can better serve today, how I can show up today. And you know what, Carrie? Sometimes the only message I get is just eat healthy today, Sarah. Sometimes it's chop wood, carry water, you know, but that's not routine. 
Right. And then how I eat healthy will continue to deepen my listening and my surrendering to that river. Really good point. Chopping wood and carrying water is actually 90% of it. There's 10% of that in the zone. But chopping wood and carrying water is so friggin' yummy when you're awake to it. And it's not a routine. It's fun. It's meaningful. Well, it's fun if my husband puts love in the food. So he'll make dinner and he'll, he'll, well, the whole time he's making the dinner, he's putting love in the food, right? And that's chopped wood, carry water, but he's putting love in. So it's now it's a sacred, it's a sacred experience, a ritual. And so with his birthday this year, he wanted <laughs> He wanted a German chocolate cake, but we were going to, we were on pilgrimage diet already and we couldn't have any salt. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make German chocolate cake with no salt. But I was like, okay, this man really wants this. I tried to get him to pick something else and he didn't. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. So I made it my devotion. Mm. I said, okay, this is my devotion because he's always putting love in the food and he's always putting love in me. And he's always like so loving. And so I said, I'm just going to be devoted to this man. I'm going to figure out how to make German chocolate cake with no salt. I love it. And I made it. And it was the most, actually, like the delicious, most delicious dessert because I put so much love in it and so much intention. Yeah. It tasted really good and everybody mm-hmm. liked it. So I loved it. I thought it was good. You know, this is how we can make life sacred again. It's not mm-hmm. just a cake. Yeah. Nothing. There is no just anything, right? Just Yeah. I love how you, just- like, you cut that word just as well. Like, right it's just this, or it's just, that's like some subtle form of self-deprecation. It's like, no, it's special. It happened in life. I chose to do it. I I used my spiritual energy and my intention and my power to create this. Yeah. Every day we can do that. Every day. And when we fail at it, you know, we always can stand back up and try again because we all forget and we all fall into routines and we all have those habits and patterns that can trip us up. But when we wake up each day and we realize there's also another beautiful Hebrew prayer that is said first thing in the morning, when you open your eyes, before you even like take the sheets off of your body, and it's called, the first two words are modeh ani. Very simple. It's grateful am I period. And the prayer is grateful am I that another breath has been given to me in this day. Right. Super simple. Every, I'm sure every religion and every culture has that gratitude prayer first thing in the morning. So today I can get up and I can orient towards my life with devotion, with attention, with intention. And when I forget, which I will, I can remember. And when I remember, then I can just show up again with, with whatever's in front of me with my attention, my intention, my gratitude, my love, right? My awe and my wonder. And this is a sacred life. This is making your life a ritual, period, an embodied ritual. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Gosh, that was radically awesome. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Happy dance. <laughs> See, when two or more are gathered in his name, there is love, there is beauty, there is clarity. Like, yes, we can remember and make our lives sacred again, not just for us, but we get the benefits of it too, but for all living beings, seen and unseen. For Throughout all living all beings across all dimensions of reality <laughs> and all the diversity of how it represents, because it has right. lots of pathways and it's. Oh. One per thumbprint. <laughs> so enjoy. Right. 
enjoy yeah. that. So is there anything you want to share with people about how to work with you? I know you have your self-restry book. I'm going to be putting that up at your website. Is there anything else you want to share with people on our way out the door here? Well, I just would love to bless everyone on your way and whatever tools and techniques and teachers and methods that work for you, that you find them and that you use them and that you feel well held and well supported, that you find your belonging and you find your people and you give space to the others and the other peoples to find their way. And if by some miracle you feel drawn to spending time with me, you can contact me through my website. We can set up a Zoom call. We can see what's here. What's between us? As Carrie mentioned, I do mostly I do private mentoring, small group mentoring, some retreats, and um, I'm always happy to to meet you and to see if there's a way I can support you on your journey. Beautiful. And if you are happening to listen to this um, in 2023 before the end of April, then <laughs> you might be able to make the Nourish Yourself in Paradise retreat in Chicago, Mexico. And that looks fun April 29th to May 6th. So you'll get a 20% off discount on tuition if you if you mention Soul Nectar Show and Carrie Hummingbird. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Wonderful. So um, we're going to close the show now. And I want to encourage everybody, please share this out with anybody that you think might be interested and please like and subscribe and all the good stuff, comment and all that. We want to hear what you think about this. So leave a comment so we can find out what you thought or email us back, you know, to the email and let, let us know. I'll pass it on to Sarah. And uh, we're going to give you kisses now. You ready? We're, I like to give kisses. So here come the kisses, everybody. Love you. <laughs> have a great week everybody and we'll see you next time on soul nectar show bye for Thanks, now Carrie. Bye, thank everyone. you bye if you found even one gold nugget in this episode of soul nectar show will you do us a favor will you subscribe like and share this episode maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it we really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are Yeah, yeah